Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. this series, Family Matters, talking about all kinds of relationships, and today specifically, the type of relationship that we're talking about is the church, the church family. We've talked about uh, single life, we've talked about being married, we talked about being a parent, but today we're talking about the church family relationship, and the show that I have chosen for this particular relationship is, guess what, drum roll, Brrr. cheers, does anybody remember cheers? Anybody remember Cheers? And yes, I chose a bar on purpose. Ha! <laughs> but I chose this bar because this was a show. It's an old show, and you, a lot of you may not even remember it. But it ran for about nine years, and it was just a, a feel-good show where people got together, and they became like a family. It really wasn't so much about the bar. That was just a location. And they became a family, and they were people from all walks of life, all kinds of different things, some really highly educated, some just regular old people, uh, some that didn't seem so smart. But everybody came together and became a family. And so that's what I wanted to look at today. And the theme song was actually probably the best part of the show. Y'all remember back in the day, shows had really awesome theme songs? Like, for those of you that are kind of in my generation or older, you remember the A-Team? Man, that was, that was the bomb right there. I mean, it was like an awesome, I mean, it was so cool. There is a show. Now, this is for the really mature folks in the, in the room. When I was a little kid, there was a show called The Greatest American Hero. Do y'all remember that show? For those of you that are older, uh, I'm sure uh, it's bound to be on YouTube. Actually, it's so old it might not be. But it had, I don't remember anything about the show other than the guy was this superhero that didn't know how to control his powers and he would crash land all the time. But the theme show, the theme song was like so good. It was, just, and I still sometimes will sing it to this day. It, it's amazing. But the, the theme songs are really good. But Cheers had a really spectacular theme song. And, and uh, it started off like this. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Yeah. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. All right, good job, good job. We get a choir going, y'all. Um, but I love that, and that, the words that song are so cool, you know? That's what most of us are searching for, right? We want to go where we are known. We want to go where we are seen, even the introverts among us. <laughs> y'all want to be seen, but y'all just don't want to have to work for it. <laughs> you, don't want, you want people to see you. You want an extrovert to come and adopt you and, and pull you alongside and, and draw you out a little bit, but we, we still want to be known and recognized. Even if we don't feel like being out in front, we want somebody to look, come alongside us, put their arm around us, maybe for just a second, and say, hey, my friend, how are you doing? We want people to know that we exist. We want to feel as if we matter. And if that's not evident by looking at the world that we're in today, man, I don't know what is. 
A lot of the epidemics that we have going on are because people feel alone. They feel like they're not heard. They feel like they're not seen. And if we could reach out and love people the way Christ has called us, I believe a lot of these problems could be resolved or be made better at least. Deep down, that's what we're looking for. We want to walk into a place and have somebody yell out, Norm, if you remember that show. There was this guy who was just, I think he was an accountant, and he was just always kind of a, I guess, use a sad sack, you know, he always shuffles in, and he walks in, and, but everybody yelled his name when he comes in because they were used to seeing him and they cared about him. He was their friend, and you want people to be excited to see you, don't you? Even if we don't want to admit it, deep down, that's what we all want on some level, in some way, and so I believe that all of us are searching for a place where we can be seen, where we can be recognized, accepted, loved, to have our burdens lifted, or at least have somebody come along and sort of shoulder the load with us, right? That's what we want. And I believe that that is what the church is called to be, guys. I believe that the church is called to be that place where everybody knows your name. And yes, I know there are churches that are larger that they don't necessarily know every name. But we, we understand that you need to be connected to a body on some level where you can get to know people and be known and know other people and love on them. And that's what the church is called to be. And the relationship, I believe, of the church family is the most important of all. I really do. And, and that might kind of rub some of you the wrong way but we talked about that sometimes we get our relationships out of order and we'll put our husband or our wife before God or we'll put our children before God and even before our spouses and that's always a dangerous thing but if we get the order the relationship between God his church and us as we are involved in it that's when things really come together folks that's when things really come together but the question is how do you get that how do you get that kind of relationship with your church family that you want, the one that you strive for, the one you're looking for? I believe the first thing to do is look at a time when the church was exactly that. Because let's be honest, the church is made up of people, imperfect people. It always has been, it always has, it will be. It, it was bought and paid for by a perfect Savior, but he's the only one that's perfect since, right? So there's going to be flaws, but there was a time when the church was really doing things extremely well that I want us to look at a little bit this morning. You can turn to Acts chapter 2 if you want, if you're following along in your Bible on your phone. We're going to have scriptures on the screen as well. But you can see where the church was really doing exactly what it was called to do. The very first time that the, the, the gospel was preached, the apostle Peter gets up with the rest of the twelve. And he stands up and they draw attention. They speak in languages that everybody can understand. They can hear their, their heart language, to use a term that's, that's used a lot of times. He gets up and he's the main spokesman. He preaches this powerful message. And it wasn't like a really a feel-good message. He ultimately says, you've been waiting for the Messiah for a few thousand years. Well, guess what? He showed up and you killed him. You with the Romans and you as the Jewish nation, my brothers and sisters, we killed him. We put him on a cross and he died. And when they heard that, even though Jesus had been showing them and he had been telling them over and over that he was the Messiah, it clicked on at that moment. And it says that that great crowd, that great multitude, it says they were cut to the heart and they yelled out like in one voice, what shall we do? Brothers, what shall we do? 
What are we going to do? They're like, we are enemies of God. We thought we were the friend of God, but now we know we're the enemies of God. What are we going to do? It says there in verse 37 exactly that. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what are we to do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just pause for just a second. Can you imagine the roller coaster of emotions? They were gathered here for the Feast of Pentecost. They were in the city. Passover had been a while. They had got to see a good public execution, which we know that was sort of entertainment back in those times, just like it was in the Wild West. And they were riding on a wave of emotion. They're here for Pentecost. The, the town, the city's buzzing. And man, and then they hear these guys preaching in languages they can understand. That, you know, it's their heart language, just not one they've, they've learned. And then they go plummeting. Oh man, we are enemies of God. We've killed the Son of God. We've killed the Messiah. And when they scream out, what shall we do in their terror? Now, don't, don't get it mixed up because it's just words on a page. Don't read it and don't hear them in your head saying, Brothers, what shall we do? I am perplexed. They're terrified. These are the same people who've been raised knowing you cannot enter into the presence of God. Only one person could do it one time a year, and he went in scared to death. They are saying, we are the enemy of that God. We killed God's one and only son. And they said, what shall we do? What are we going to do? But in one moment, as they were plummeting down, thinking they had no hope, oh man, it gets better. And they come up, and they are up there, and he says, repent and be baptized, each one of you, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You can be forgiven and free. And that message, as it goes on to say in just a second, it's for all of us. But it gets even better. God's Holy Spirit can live in you and I. He says, God's Holy Spirit, not only am I going to forgive you and not hold you accountable for what you did, you get to have my presence in you forever. You don't have to worry and wonder if one person is going to be able to go into the presence of God. The presence of God will be in you and with you always. If that don't get us fired up, church, I don't know what will. We should be overjoyed because God, the creator of the universe, decides to live in you and I. Trash. I'm a broken person, and every single one of us is broken in our own ways. And God decided to dwell in us once he forgives us. Once we're baptized into Christ because of our faith in him, we're made whole and new. And he goes on more specifically, like I said in verse 39. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who the Lord, our, all who are far away, and as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on urging them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day were added about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine the first time the church ever gathers, the first time the gospel's preached? 3,000 people, y'all. 3,000 people were baptized into Christ and started a new life in Christ. I'm telling you what, we ain't making it to the Golden Corral on time today. <laughs> I don't know if Golden Corral is still a thing or not. That's the first place popped in my head. But 3,000 people get baptized, y'all. I mean, can you imagine the joy 
I hope. I know it was then, but maybe right now, maybe we'd be like, gosh, another one? I'm just being real. I'm just being real. I, I mean, I've been a part of it, and I've been guilty of it, so there's no, you know, it's not judging you without judging me, but I've been a part of churches, and I, you know, the times that we've had baptisms, usually, you know, we don't have a place where we can baptize right here, so we go somewhere in the river, or we go in a church building to let us open up, so it's usually a smaller crowd, and so we try to cheer, but I've been a part of baptisms when people were like this. That ain't what heaven's doing, y'all. And if we want to enjoy heaven and we want to spend time in heaven for eternity, we better get as excited about new people coming to Jesus as they do in heaven. Or we ain't going to like heaven. There's an alternative. But anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I get back on, on task here. All right. But we got to get excited. 3,000 people were baptized into Christ. But here's why I think we might have some issues with that. While we might have been a part of a church where somebody got baptized and it was just kind of mediocre response. Maybe you think about when you were baptized. And guess what? If you haven't been, let's get that done today. Let's get it done today. Golden Corral can wait. They can build another one. It can wait. If you need to do that, if you need to take that step of following Jesus to have your sins forgiven, to be made whole and new, it's for you. It's for you, and we need to do that. We need to get that straight. Let's talk right after church. I'm serious. I'm not joking. But when you were baptized, if you've been baptized, I hope and pray that at that moment you felt the freest that you've ever felt in your life, that you felt the most new that you've ever been, that you felt clean, that you were excited. But there's a good possibility that if you felt that way, that over time, maybe in a few weeks, or maybe it was a few months, or maybe it took a few years, but there may have been some time that your enthusiasm waned a little bit. Is that fair to say on a lot of us? That we have times when we had this passion, but then we sort of lost it for a little bit. And maybe, just maybe, that's why we don't get as excited. Maybe life happened, because it does, right? Life has a way of happening every single day. And over this past year, it happened in ways that we never expected. And maybe you just got tired. Maybe you got distracted. Maybe you got busy. Maybe you got tempted and fell. Maybe you got lazy. Fill in the blank. You got something and you lost your passion. And maybe you kind of wonder why. Maybe you sort of look at yourself, but maybe you spend some time looking for somebody else to blame. And you're like, why, why couldn't my church be more excited? Or why couldn't my group of friends be more passionate about their faith? Or if I just had one other person that believed like I believe at my home or at my workplace, I could stay excited. Maybe you're looking for answers and why maybe you've gotten a little bit cold in your heart. But let me ask you this. If you've done the Acts 2.38 part, have you done the Acts 2.42 part? If you've done the Acts 2.38 part, have you done the Acts 2.42 part? Look at verse 42. It says, they, the church, this new group of believers, were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That word there, that I'm reading the English Standard Version, it says continually it gives the idea of to give constant attention to. 
if you want a, a way to put this in perspective here, I got a perfect, perfect, perfect illustration of understanding this word continually. Y'all remember those times we were getting stimulus checks? How many times a day did you check your bank account, see when that thing hit? <laughs> Don't lie. Don't lie. Every five seconds, pulling your phone out. That stimmy hit yet? Nope, let me see. You're continually checking, wanting to know. You want to know, is that thing going to hit? Is that thing going to hit? When's it going to hit? That's the attention that you and I need to apply to the things the early church did because that's what they did. And we're going to get to, in just a moment, why it's so important and the effect they saw from doing that thing, from continually being devoted to those things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. Are you giving a, con a constant attention to the apostles' teaching? Ultimately, that's scripture. That's scripture. They were having scripture spoken to them at that point. We now have the privilege, actually, of having the word of God all combined together. And so it was an amazing thing to have the apostles speaking the word of God, the New Testament prophets writing the word of God. But we are actually more blessed because we can pull it all together. We don't have to wonder, well, I wonder what Paul would say about this. We know. I wonder what Peter would say inspired by God about this. We can know. We can know. We can know it all together. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. It says in verse 43, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. I'm here to tell you that you and I, if we are feeling cold and dry and dead on the inside, maybe it's because we're not devoted continually to the apostles' teaching. If you don't feel a sense of awe, maybe it's because you've forgotten that there's something to be in awe of. That there's someone to be in awe of. And we need to dig in, dive in, get into God's word. And we will see not only the, the stories on the page and the accounts on the page of things that happened in the past, but when you allow the word of God into your life, big things will happen. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that big things will happen in your life and in the lives of your neighbors if you're digging in continually to God's word? It says they were also constantly giving attention to fellowship. Now, if you grew up in church, you probably hear that word and you probably start salivating. Because you probably start thinking about potlucks and stuff like that. You know, especially if you grew up in the South, you know, you start thinking about, you know, fried chicken and you start thinking about all these things, you know corn pudding I love introducing Yankees to corn pudding it just it changes their lives it changes their lives and they're like corn pudding what in the world and they're like thank you Jesus you know I'm ready to get baptized now you know it's like but you start salivating because that's what you think of as fellowship it's just eating and that's just a small part of it because he even mentions it separate here in just a second but they were devoted to fellowship and that's a Greek word koinonia that's used and translated many ways in the New Testament. It's a powerful word. I'll tell you one way it's translated in Philippians chapter 1, verse 5. Um, if you've been at movement for a little bit, I hope you've heard this connection. If not, here's your first time, so wake up. Philippians 1, 5 is a phrase that's translated, depending on what translation, partners in the gospel. Paul said, you were partners in the gospel from the first day until now. And we call here at Movement, we don't call it being a member and being plugged in at Movement. We call it being a mission partner. And that's where we get that from. You are sharing in the work of the Lord's ministry. 
you're not just somebody who comes and sits and, you know, checks your name off and said, I was there today. You're somebody who lays it all out on the line. You are a partner in the gospel from the first day until now. From the moment you give your life to Jesus, like, I am all in. I am inspired to be a part of what God is doing here. That's one place that it's used, koinonia, this translated fellowship. There's another place in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, and this one gets a little bit heavier. Paul says, I want to koinonia, share in the sufferings of Jesus. He says, I want to share in the sufferings of Jesus. How did Jesus suffer? Ultimately, on the cross, he died for the sins of the world, but he suffered in many ways before that. He gave up his place in heaven, and he's calling us to suffer and to share in the sufferings that he did so that we can help other people get to know him. So are you fellowshipping in real life, in real time, or are you just eating every now and then? Or are you just saying, hey, how's it going? How's your week been? Oh, good, good, good. And you answered the wrong question because they said something different. <laughs> you ever done that? You ever done that? You're, you're just not checked in. You're not plugged in. It's time for us to make sure we're continually devoting ourselves to true fellowship, sharing together in the work of ministry, encouraging one another, building one another up, carrying each other's burdens I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to do it in your head. How many of you walked in here today carrying a burden that nobody knows about? How many of you walked in here today carrying a burden that only a couple of people know about, and it's about to break your back in half? You don't have to carry it alone. First off, God will carry our burdens for us. Cast all your cares on him. Cast all your burdens on him. He will take them. But I know it gets hard not to pick those things back up. And so that's why he gave us the church. And we're supposed to share koinonia, each other's burdens, bear one another's burdens. You don't need to keep it a secret because that secret will eat you alive. And you need to tell a brother or sister who you can trust. But you have to develop a relationship with them first if you're going to trust them enough to do it. And staring at each other's heads for an hour, one, the back of each other's heads for an hour, one hour a week, or one time a week is not going to get it done. You have to spend time sharing with one another. And that's what it says in verse 44 and 45. It says, all the believers were together and had all things in common. They shared everything that they could. And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. That, my friends, is sharing burdens. And we may not be comfortable at getting there right now, but you know what? We need to get a whole lot closer because what we do a lot of times is not fellowship. And I can be just as guilty of that, but we need to learn to continue in fellowship. It goes on to say breaking of bread. They continued in breaking of bread. That's why I said it's not just eating at fellowship. And when they say breaking of bread, breaking of bread, that means literally eating meals together. But it also means sharing in the Lord's Supper together. That was just wrapped in part of it. They did it as often as they met, it seems like, because they did not want to forget what Jesus had done for them, like Scotty said so well today. They did not want to forget what Jesus had done for them, and they would eat meals together and break bread together, sharing around the Lord's Supper. And you may think, why? Why would this be a command? Yeah, we like to eat, and that's part of it, because everybody has to do it, and most people love to do it. <laughs> but there's something about sitting around a table with people that just 
takes down barriers. And it breaks down walls. And it helps you build that trust and that relationship. And it's just something about you can, you can hide sort of behind a, a knife and a fork and a cup as you're drinking and talking. And you start to laugh more and you start to become more relaxed. And that's what we as a church need to do. We need to spend time together, sharing together and remembering what Jesus has done and has promised he will do. That's what he's going to do. It says in verse 46, it says, Day by day, continue with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. The church was so excited to be able to be together and, and, and encourage one another and challenge one another. It increased their joy. Who needs some more joy? I mean, I know it's like a broken record, and you might think you get tired of hearing about it, but this past year has been tough, and we felt so alone and ostracized, and we felt like, man, nobody understands and nobody cares. We need to spend some time breaking bread together. And there's a few, there's, it's a random group of people that just, whoever happens to be here after we're all torn down and, and everything. But, you know, right now, even during COVID, we would go outside and sit and eat some meals together. Just whoever happened to be around. And we invite anybody and everybody. We'll find somewhere. I got a tailgate. We can sit on that. We can do whatever. But we need to break bread together. Even at a time when it's kind of weird being so close together, we need that time to tear down those walls. If you want to be glad, you got to spend time together. And so if you've been missing joy, maybe it's because you've been missing connection with people. And if you want to sincerely enjoy each other's company, you're going to have to work at it. Because you might not mesh and see eye to eye. You might not have a lot in common the first time or two that you're around somebody. But there will come a time, if you keep spending time with people, there will come a time that you'll be like, oh yeah, me too. There will come a time. And that's what we have to do to tear down those barriers. But it says they also were continually devoted to prayer. Continually devoted to prayer. We talk about prayer a lot. But unfortunately, in our culture, it's not something we do together enough. As a church, we don't do it enough together, out loud, in person. We need to pray together. Pray by yourself. Pray continually, as the scripture says. But we need to pray continually with the church. That's what we need time in and time out. Verse 47 says this. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It was adding, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, prayer should include praising God. Did you hear that? Prayer should include praising God. But if you're like me, what do you end up praying mostly about? Stuff that you what? You want or you need? A lot of times my prayer is just requests. And we need to spend time praising the almighty creator of the universe who, guess what? If you don't feel blessed, everybody do this for a second. You got breath in your lungs. You got breath in your lungs and you have a day of life and you and I need to make the most of it. And so when we praise God, when we pray, that's when things really change. And we ask God to bless us and to help us reach other people. It's not just asking for stuff, but we need to be praying for people to come to know Jesus. 
That needs to be the bulk of our prayers. Lord, use me. Show me who I can reach out to. Tell me the person that I can go to so they can come to know Christ like I do. And I'm going to ask you a question that may be hard to answer. But when was the last time that you prayed out loud for, with another person? When was the last time you prayed out loud with another person? You may not be familiar, but in the book of Acts, there's a time when the church, it says, or a group of the church was gathered together in one place, and it says they prayed, and guess what happened? The walls were shaken. The walls were shaken, and I'm telling you, that probably wasn't silent prayer. I know it wasn't the volume of their voices that did it, but God wants people who are completely surrendered and don't give a rip what people think about them. To call out to him because he is able. And then when we call out to God and we put it all out on the line and we lay it at his feet and we say, God, send us to people that we can love, that you love, so that they can know that you love them. Then he will shake the walls, not just of your home, but of this town, of this world, as people come to know Jesus. It says that daily people were being added to the church that were being saved when they gathered together doing all these things, devoting themselves to these things continually. And one of those was praying that people would come to know Jesus. And so it's time that we as a church do some wall-shaking prayers together. So are you devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer? Are you doing your part to make this family of movement, are you doing this, your part to make this family a place where everybody knows each other's names? And yes, we're going to grow and we want to grow and we've been growing. And there will be a time when it will become harder, but I don't want anybody to come here more than twice and people don't know their name. Somebody doesn't know their name. Because you want to be known when you come in and we need to know each other. But it takes getting to know one another. And so here, I'm going to do something real quick. I'm going to commission you all, okay? We have a lot of amazing volunteers, and we're starting to use more and more volunteers again as we start to do more parts of what we do here on Sunday morning and all throughout the week. But I am now commissioning you all as greeters in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> greeters. You are all greeters. You are all greeters. All this. You are greeters. I want you, now, let's don't bum rush people all at one time, you know, so they're like, ah! you know, don't do that, but don't ever let somebody be standing by themselves, you can help it. Go up, meet them, and I'm telling you what, most people don't go talk to somebody new because they're thinking, what if I've met them before? Isn't that true? You're like, what if I met them before? I don't remember their name. Just be honest. We all are in the same boat with that. We forget, we don't recognize, now with masks, you don't know who you talk to. You know, you're like, oh, that's my wife, <laughs> you, know, you know. So go up and be like, hey, I'm sorry if I've met you before, but what's your name? My name's Bobby. You know, just go up and just admit that you may or may not have met him. People are going to be forgiving. And if, if they're not, I'm like, well, okay, you got some things you need to work on. But anyway, but let's go. You are all, you're commissioned here on out, all right? So you can't miss any weeks. Oh, see what I did there? I tricked y'all. Ha! Anyway, here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
Are you devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer? Are you doing your part to make this family be a place where everybody knows each other's names? Are you investing the time and energy to change lives so you can really, truly live yourself? Because I'm here to tell you, if you're not investing in other people, you're not living. You're not living the life that God's called you to live, and you are going to be miserable. You're going to look for something to fill that hole, and you won't find it until you sacrifice everything for Jesus. And here's the thing I want us to think about. Maybe we don't see more churches with people being saved every day because more churches aren't living out Acts 2.42. And if we want to be a part of a church like that, if we want to see more churches like that, then we need to start living out Acts 2.42 just as much as we do Acts 2.38. It's time for us to do it. If we want to be a part of a church that is turning the world upside down, we have to start turning our lives upside down. And stop saying, I don't have time. I don't have the ability. I don't have this. I don't have that. Or I need this. Or I need that. Let's start turning our lives upside down for Jesus so that the church can turn the world upside down like we see in Acts 2, 42 and 47. Let's be all that God has called us to be. So change your schedule. Change your priorities. Spend your time and things that matter the most. I'm not saying you can't have a life on this earth, but as you're going about your life, make sure that Jesus is a part of every part of it. And you're always looking for opportunities. If you want to be a part of something that gets you fired up, fire somebody else up. If you want to be a part of something that fires you up, fire somebody else up. Don't wait for somebody to come do it for you. You do it for somebody else. And I guarantee you, your fire will spark too. Get connected in a connect group. Serve. Pray with other people. Tell people about Jesus. Don't just let it be your bumper sticker. Tell people about Jesus. And when we pray for opportunities, devote ourselves to these things continually. People will be saved. The truth is, is that the church is most attractive when it's on mission. And specifically, the way we describe our mission for Jesus here is loving, serving, and moving. Loving God and loving people a little more every day, trying our best. Serving other people and serving the church, serving lost people, and moving closer to God. When we stumble and fall, we get back up and we turn back to him. Keep moving closer to Jesus, but we have to do it together if we want to see things like Acts chapter 2, verse 47. If we want to see the world turned upside down, if we want to see people being added to the church every day, then all of us have to do that together. Now, I've got a couple of challenges as we sort of get down toward the ends of this this morning. First, I've got a challenge for people online. I know that there are a lot of people, and it's been a big blessing. We, we were hesitant to do an online service for a long time because we didn't feel like we could do it well enough. And then coronavirus came, <laughs> and nobody could have church. And so we were forced to do it. And so it's been a powerful tool. And there was a time that all of us were only online, and we're thankful for it. We're always going to have some form of it. And we're working to make it better. That's why you got two cameras, and y'all are going to be seeing an improved version of this in, in just the next couple of weeks. But here's what I want you to say. Some of you physically can't be here with us, and so we're glad you can through being online. Some of you are planning on coming back in the next few weeks as different things change. Maybe you get the vaccine, or maybe just cases are going down or whatever. And we understand that. And some of you have stayed home because 
you want to protect some people that are close to you. Maybe you're not worried about yourself, but you're worried about people you live with or work with, and that's okay too. But one thing I know, as I've talked with other preachers all across the state and all across the country, and I've looked at statistics, there are people who aren't really watching right now, (laughs) but they want their church family to think they are. There are people who have fallen off and they just like the anonymity of being at church online. And so you, that person's probably not watching me right now. But there are people who have gotten so bound and ground down by this world and they just like the fact that they can say, oh yeah, I go to church, I go online, but they never go. <laughs> they never get out of bed and they like that nobody can judge them for it. And so what I'm saying, if if that person happens to see this, or you feel like you're going down that slope, and maybe you're finding yourself, you just become disengaged, it's the time to come back now. Come back online if you have to come back on. But come back in person if you're ready and if you're able. Because here's the thing, we need to be together. We need to be together and live life together. And you can do that in some format online, but as best as you can, we want to help you be in person if you're able Because we need each other as the church. And as life goes on, and and I'll say this and I'll wrap this little part up. As life goes back and opens up full force and goes a thousand times a thousand speed like it always was before. If you've allowed church to become less of a priority or no priority in your life, in your life. You're going to be spending all this energy and all this emotion and all this capital, so to speak, and you're not going to have anything filling you up. You know what's going to happen with a lot of people? And it's already starting to happen with a lot of people that have found themselves in this place. They're burning out and they're burning up. And their life is crashing down around them and they may not know why, but I'm here to tell you, you need the church and you need Jesus. And just in case you're getting high and mighty because you're sitting here in person, (laughs) I got something for all of us too I'm just going to make everybody mad today I got God on my side I hope (laughs) here's what I want you to know if you're here right now if you're here right now you may be thinking I've been here but I feel dry too it's been a tough year it's taken a lot out of us We're all suffering from separation and being distant from people and not knowing how to respond. We don't even know how to shake hands anymore because we don't know if somebody's bumping. We don't know if they're doing foot tap like kid and play. We don't know what they're doing. And and we don't know. We're just separated from people and we're hurting and we may feel dry. We may feel dead. We may feel empty even though we're in here and we're trying to do the right things and we're, we're trying to go through and do all the things that maybe God's called us to do. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I started working out recently and going to the gym, and I've seen some change. I've started slimming down a little bit. I keep looking at the scale. The numbers don't change exactly why I want, but I'm doing the workout part. I'm being really consistent in that, and I'm seeing I'm getting stronger, that type of thing. But here's the deal. I haven't changed my diet a whole lot, and I'm not pounding the Krispy Kreme donuts. So don't judge me. I know y'all are thinking that because I'm me, and I like Krispy Kreme. But I'm not cutting the calories very much. And so here's what I'm saying. If I want to get in good physical shape, there's more than just one thing I've got to do. And maybe, just maybe, I don't know where you are, but maybe you've been coming in person, but you still feel dry. But I want to ask you this. Are you doing the rest of the workout regimen? 
Are you serving other people? Are you getting closer to one another? Are you spending time continually in fellowship? Are you digging in and doing these things? Because then and only then will we see the kind of spiritual health that we want to see. Only then and then will we see the spiritual growth that we want to see. So the challenge is for all of us. If you're online, make sure that you log in and you say hello and you talk to people online. Be as invested and all in as you can be online. If you're in person, don't just jet out the door if you can help it. Spend time, dig in, connect in a group, study God's word together. Spend time around a table sharing a meal with someone. Pray for people, pray with people. And then I believe when we're continually doing these things, devoted to these things, the world will be changed through our church. If we're doing Acts 2.42 things, I believe Acts 2.47 will come. And we'll see people coming to Jesus every day, if not every day, very often. You won't see substantial growth in your spirit if you're only barely plugged in. It's time to serve. It's time to move. It's time to get connected. Start inviting people to church. Here's something you can do right now. If you're nervous about talking to people and inviting them, that's just the beginning there. Get on, if you're on Facebook, get on and check in to Movement Church on Facebook. And at least your friends will see this is what I do every Sunday morning. And then you can go and you can invite them personally. And then you can start to share your faith with them and share the gospel with them. If you're ready, share the gospel right to begin with. You don't have to invite them to church first. But do those things. Take the steps you need to take. The relationship with your church family. I do believe is the most important relationship over all these relationships because when you get this one straight it'll help you be a better husband wife father mother brother sister friend co-worker anything it'll make you better if you have this relationship plugged in and doing right but here's the thing let's make this place these people because it's not a place these people, let's become a place where everybody knows everybody's name. And people are glad that they came and they spent time with Jesus and his church. And it's time to turn our lives upside down so that we can turn the world upside down. If you want to be a part of a church that looks like that, start being that. Start being that. And I guarantee you, people will come alongside and they will carry your burdens with you. And they will share the joy of your salvation with you as we both focus on God and focus on our relationship with God and focus on our relationship with people. God will do what he has promised if we just do our meager part. All we got to do is show up and he can do the rest. So let's be the church, church. Let's be the place where everybody knows your name. If today you need Jesus, as we mentioned earlier, we'd love to share him with you and get you connected to him, have your sins washed away and let you be free and new and clean. And that opportunity is here today. But maybe, as many of you have heard today, maybe you've just been dry. You don't feel like you've grown. You feel disengaged. You feel disenchanted. You might even be angry and upset. But today is the day that you can start new, being that church that we see in Acts 2.42. Don't let the devil win. Reach out to a brother or sister today and say, I need help. I need you, church, to stand with sin. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.